Open your Bible this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 3, where we are continuing our look at the character, the kind of person we are all called to be by our Lord. And really, as I thought about this, this is really, the Lord is providentially working these things out. Here on Sunday mornings, we're talking about the kind of person we want to be. And on Sunday nights, we're talking about the kind of church that the Lord God wants us to be. And as you turn here to 1 Timothy 3, if you're familiar with the book of 1 Timothy, you know this passage here, the opening verses of 1 Timothy 3 are about the qualifications for a pastor, the qualifications for a leader or elder in the church. And though they are qualifications for the pastor, what I want us to see as we go through these verses, in particular verse 2 and 3, is that these qualifications are something that we are all to be striving to be. We're all to strive to see these kind of character qualities in our own life. And as we think about that, I was reminded of something that commentator said, D.A. Carson. When he was speaking about just the list of qualifications here for pastors and for elders, and he said, quote, it's remarkable for being unremarkable. And what he meant by that is this, that the criteria mentioned are demanded of all Christians everywhere. Every church is meant to be full of men and women who display these traits. And that's what I mean by this is something for all of us. In fact, one of the things this, this passage really tells us is that God is more interested in your character. That is, he's more interested in your character, that is, who you are and what you are becoming, than he is about what you do. When a church is looking and considering a man to be a pastor, an elder, a deacon in the church, it's not as much about what that man can do. That is a part of it. Obviously, if a man's going to be a pastor or a leader in the church, he has to have the capability to preach and to teach and to administrate. But first and foremost, as we look at this passage here in 1 Timothy 3, what God wanted the church to be more interested in is in the character of the man. But as I say, this truth applies to all of us. You see, all of us here don't have the same capabilities. Not only that, we don't all come from the same circumstances. We're not all living in the same circumstances. Some of us are going through different uh, trials and tribulations right now in our lives. Some of us aren't. And we can't look at the person's life and look at their circumstances and somehow make a character judgment about them because of their circumstances in life. I mean, a person here could be a rich person and still have poor character. A person here could be a poor person and still have poor character. A person could be going through different trials in their life, and yet that doesn't mean that you can make a judgment about their life and about their character. As I think about the, the, the man Joseph that we discussed last Sunday briefly in the Old Testament, when you look at the character of Joseph, Joseph was a, was a righteous man. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man that loved the Lord, loved his God. 
You see his character when he was there with his family and his brothers. You see his character on display when he was there with Potiphar. But you also see his same character when he's in prison. And when he's the ruler and placed in charge over the nation of Egypt. He was a man who was a person of the same character, though the circumstances of his life varied differently at that time. I think about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Obviously, this is a man that his character was perfect. There were no stains at all on his character. This is a sinless man. This is God in the flesh walking around here on the earth. And if someone wanted to judge his life by his circumstances and judge his character by his circumstances, they would make a gross misinterpretation of what was going on. Because if you recall, when Jesus comes riding in on the donkey into Jerusalem, everybody is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. All these wonderful things. And that it doesn't take very long. And now what are they crying? Crucify him, crucify him. And yet he's the same man with the same character. But we are wanting to be people of godly character. And so we're looking here at this passage. And we saw there, when you go now down to verse 2, but this is something that we are to be. Okay. Now it says an overseer, that is the elder, a pastor, a leader in the church, this is what he must be. It's a divine necessity that he is this. But we are all called to be. And again, think about that word be. This is what we are, who we are, and what it is that we are becoming. This is what we are known for. This is what we, the reputation we have built that we are, we must be above reproach. Above reproach. That is, we want to be known as someone that is without disgrace, a mark against us between those inside the church and those outside of the church. And this is the overall standard of being above reproach. And then he begins to fill in the details of what it is we're supposed to be above reproach about. In the first area we talked about last Sunday together, when there he says that the man must be the husband of one wife. That is looking at his morality. And that this is a man or this is a woman because we saw also over in 1 Timothy chapter 5 when he was talking about widows there in the church. He says if you're going to place one of those widows on this special list there, it needs to be someone who has been a a woman who's been focused and devoted to her husband. And this is just talking about our moral life in the area of our sexual life as well, that we are devoted, we are singly devoted on honoring God and honoring Christ in this area of our life. Thus we would be known as the husband of one wife or the wife of one husband. And again, that's not talking about the marital status of the person. A person needs to be devoted singly to the honor of Christ even if they are single. 
Even if they've never been married or even if they haven't reached the, the age or the place where they could get married, where they are wanting to be focused and being singularly devoted to Christ in this area of their life. But now this morning, I want us to look at the next three characteristics that needs to be said of all of us here in verse 2, where it says that we need to be above reproach in that we are temperate, prudent, and respectable. Temperate, prudent, and respectable. I've, I pull these three because they really go together. They're, they're going to overlap with each other. And as you think about these three areas of your life, here are the areas that we're talking about. When you're thinking about being temperate, we're going to be talking about the pleasures in your life. When we're talking about being prudent, we're going to be talking about the priorities of your life. And then finally, when we talk about being respectable, we're going to be looking at the patterns of your life. So see, what you want to see is, is in the pleasures of my life, do I have self-control? And in the priorities of my life, am I spiritually minded? And in the patterns of my life, is it standardized? That is, is it orderly? Is it something that is put together? And this is what we're all called to be. A godly person, a Christ-honoring person. It will reflect itself in the pleasures of your life, the priorities of your life, and the patterns that are there in your life. So let's look at those together this morning. Let's start with, he says, that you must be, you need to be temperate. That is, self-control when it comes to pleasures in your life. God has not said we are not to enjoy life. We're not to enjoy the pleasures of life. And the pleasures of the things that are here in this world that God has so graciously provided. I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about things that we can enjoy as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just show you, this is something about being temperate that it, we're all called to be. Look over in verse 11 of 1 Timothy 3, where it says, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate. So this is, again, not just for the pastor. This is for all people. You can even look over, over in Titus chapter 2. In Titus 2 and in verse 2, it says, Older men are to be temperate. So whether it's a man or it's a woman in the church, God wants you to be temperate. That is, he wants you to be someone that is free from excess in your life. Free from being impulsive. Free in the areas of your habits. Even when it comes to the pleasures of your life, that you are someone that has a steadiness about your life. You're not given to excesses. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 12, where he says, look, those things that I'm even free to do, it is okay for me to do. He says, I do not want to be mastered by any of them. I don't want to be, become the slave or the master of anything, anything in my life. 
whether it's something physical, emotional, whatever it may be. I want to be someone who is temperate. That's why Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 24 to 27, he says, I discipline my body. I discipline my passions. I discipline how I enjoy the pleasures of this life. Why? He says, because if I don't, I may disqualify myself. I want to be someone that is steady, someone that has self-control. It is someone, when you're thinking about someone who is temperate, it is someone that is sober-minded about themselves. It is someone that is alert. It is someone that is sober. That is, as we live our life and we enjoy the things of this life that the Lord gives us, we don't do it without reflection and understanding of God's ultimate judgment and sentencing that is going to come down upon this world. If you would, for just a moment, turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And the same word that we're translating as temperate in 1 Timothy 3 is used in the verb form over in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians and in verse 6. where he's talking about the coming of the day of the Lord and the wrath of God that's going to come upon this world. And he says there, this is picking up in verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, and here is the word, but let us be alert and sober. That's the same word he's speaking about there. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober. Let us be temperate. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. First and foremost, I would hope you would see from this, if you want to be sober, and that is, if you want to be alert, if you want to be someone that is temperate, you first and foremost must be a Christian. That is, you must come and put your faith in Christ. You must have the hope of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the idea of being temperate is, again, someone that is alert. They're clear-headed. And they're clear-headed about reality. And though they enjoy this life, they already know and they also know that there is a sentencing of doom upon this world that is always looming, that is there. And I don't mean you're walking around with some somber spirit, but I'm just saying you understand the seriousness of life. You understand, beloved, that though this world is parting itself, parting itself away, and just enjoying all the things that this world has to offer, that also the majority of people in this world are one last heartbeat and breath away from spending eternity separated from God. Thus they're alert, they're sober. This reminds me what Jesus said about his coming. 
the day of his coming over in the gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 24. In verses 36 and 42 there, he says, it's going to be like the days of Noah where the world is just enjoying itself. Eating, drinking, just enjoying the pleasures of life with no thought about God. No thought about the judgment that is to come. Though they've heard it, and they've heard it, and they've heard it, just like in the days of Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching about the judgment that was to come, and the world sat there and heard it and ignored it and ignored it and kept eating and drinking and enjoying the pleasures of life, going through all the wonderful pleasures of life that are there and giving no thought to God. They were not alert. They were not sober. They were not temperate about that. And then here comes the the judgment upon the earth. That's why the Lord says they're, they're not going to be ready for it. When that judgment comes, it's going to sweep them away. So thus he says, so be alert. Be clear-headed. And this is what the Lord is calling on us all to be and to do. Thus having even self-control in a seriousness, even in regards to the pleasures of this world, the pleasures that we have in this life. Beloved, you want to be temperate. But secondly, you want to be prudent. That is, you want to be spiritually minded when it comes to the priorities in your life. You see, these really just kind of flow together. You're serious, sober-minded, spiritually minded, and it will reflect itself in the priorities of your life. The prudent person, thus, is one who is well-disciplined in their mind and well-disciplined in their life, and it shows itself in their priorities, what they prioritize about life. It keeps them on track. As they go through life. The, the world has so many things pulling at us and trying to get us to move here and go over there and be tossed here and there. But beloved, the, the person that is prudent is the person that is spiritually minded. It's the person that is sober minded about the priorities of their life. So they're not pulled here and there. They're not chasing everything that's going on around them. They, they have their priorities and their priorities are set and those priorities have been established and they're being maintained by the teachings and the principles of the Word of God. That's what sets the course of their life. That is what is the priorities of their life. We see this obviously perfectly exemplified in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus understood his priorities, his purpose, what he was here to do, so that even whenever people were asking him at times to stay, when he would be doing miracles and doing wonderful things, and I can understand the people saying, stay with us, Jesus, stay with us. Don't move on. We want you to stay here. I would feel the same thing in my heart, but Jesus says, I have other things to do. I have to be about my father's business. I have my priorities and I have to keep moving forward in what it is that God the Father has sent me here to do and not get distracted 
And again, this is something for all of us. This is, this is another way of being associated with this idea of being prudent is someone who is sensible. And we see that idea promoted there even in, in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 3 over in verse 12 again where he talks about being uh, or verse 8 the deacons being dignity and double minded and, and, and being those that are sensible as it speaks about in Titus 2.2 this is something for all of us they were all to be we all want to have our priorities set by the word of God. That's the prudent person. That you want to be known as someone whose priorities are in the right order. And it shows in your life. And you say, well, what should be my priorities? Well, let me just kind of share it with you like this. Your first priority in life should always be the glory of God. That's your priority in life. So as I'm living my life, as Paul says, just think, Paul sums it up beautifully. Whether you eat, you drink, whatever you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. That's my priority in life. So as I am setting the course of my life, making plans in my life, making decisions in my life, everything that I'm doing, if I am a prudent person, I am going to say the glory of God is first and foremost my priority. And that's why Paul says there, even in the context of that, one of the ways that that will show itself is how a person uses their freedoms, that that is something that they are able to do that is not sinful in and of itself, but they use those freedoms for the glory of God. And that's why Paul was saying there, look, when I go to eat or when I go to drink or whatever it is I go to do, I'm doing it for the glory of God. That's what's going to guide me. That's what's going to direct me in everything that I do. Your priority ought to be the glory of God. Secondly, your priority ought to be your relationship with Christ. That is, you want to keep sin out of your relationship with your Savior. You want to keep sin out of your relationship with your Savior. That ought to be a priority in your heart and a priority in your life. Thirdly, it's about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And it ought to be a priority in your life that you say, I do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want to do that. I love the Holy Spirit. I love my Savior. I love my Father. So I am living for the glory of God and I am living with a priority in my life is my relationship with my Savior and my relationship with the Spirit of God who lives inside of me. Oh, beloved, how much sin and wastefulness we would put away from ourselves if that was our priority. And that's the prudent person. Next, your priorities would be others. Others. Whether it's others in your family, others in your church, just others that are around you and involved in your life. You will have the right priorities. That's the prudent person. Someone that is, again, letting God's word establish 
their priorities and establish even how they enjoy the pleasures of this life. Let me go to the the last one we'll talk about this morning. We want to be above reproach when it comes to being temperate, prudent, and finally they're respectable. And this is where these all really kind of tie together. Because the way your life, and you're going to be known as someone that is respectable, is if you're temperate and prudent. The temperate and prudent person will be respectable as well. And by respectable, he's talking about here that there are the, the, the patterns of your life are such that they are a standard for other people. That people can look at your life with, with that kind of respect to say, I see the patterns of the life of this person. And it is a standard that I would want to shoot for myself. That is, this is a person who has a life that is in order. They have an orderly life. It's just the opposite of chaos. It's the opposite of confusion. It is ones that finish what they start. They systematize it in that sense. That they have a, they have a plan and they, they follow through and, and you see the structure. A structure that is there in their life and it is a life then that, that can be followed by others. We see that with the Lord Jesus himself. That we want to follow his life. And you can, again, think about Jesus. I mean, he had a structured life uh, in, in ways, and he had a life that was, uh, again, driven by the, the priorities of, of, of the Lord and the will of God. We're told in the, in the Gospels that Jesus had the custom of going to the synagogue for worship. Do you remember how was it that Judas knew where to find the Savior? Because it was his custom to go and to spend time in prayer before the Lord. He had a pattern of his life. That's why you remember, this is why you remember, that's why the disciples were even asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. We keep hearing you praying, and you seem to pray different than the way we pray, and you seem to pray different than the way that we've been taught to pray. So teach us to pray. We want to follow the pattern of your life. That's what he means here when he speaks about being respectable. Beloved, this is something we, as parents, try to work on with our kids because we want them to to have an orderly life. Because, you know, kids, as they're they're maturing and growing up, one of the struggles they can have is to, you just seem to, you can just, follow behind them and you know where they've been because everything is halfway done. And it's like little trails. You can just see their, their life. And it's something they have to grow and mature in as they're being prudent, temperate, and respectable. So as we think about these three qualities that should be a part of our character, 
Let me just close this this morning with some questions. And then a way that I would encourage you to pray for these things in your life. Again, it's not that any man or woman is going to be perfect in these areas. No one is. No one will be in this life. We're all needing to grow in being temperate, prudent, and respectable. But it's what we're striving for so that we will be above reproach. And let me just ask you some questions that I came across. And the first one is this. Do you have any unrestrained or unhealthy habits in what you eat or drink or in your entertainment? That is, do you have areas of being excessive that you need to really submit to the Holy Spirit? That is, in all these things, are you joyfully submitted to the Holy Spirit? Again, these aren't necessarily things that are wrong in and of themselves. But, beloved, they can become excessive in our life. That would be a violation of what we're wanting to be above reproach and being temperate, prudent, respectable. Secondly, do you exhibit consistency and discipline in the spiritual, devotional, relational, and bodily aspects of your life? Do you exhibit consistency and discipline in your spiritual life? Do you struggle with that? And is, are, are you like the, the, the one-hit wonders? You know, the, the, or like the athlete that can uh, have the, the one good game, the one good series, but as far as being consistent over a, a, a season is something that they struggle with? Do you have bursts of being uh, focused in the area and disciplined in the area of your spiritual and devotional life, and, but then only it's like a little burst and then phew, it's gone? Your relational life, even in your bodily life, the bodily aspects of your life, Are you one that could be said that you exhibit consistency there? This is what we're speaking about if we're saying someone who is temperate, prudent, and respectable. They exhibit these types of things. Again, not perfectly, but it is the direction of their life. Let me ask you, is there a steadiness to your life? Maybe more specifically is, do you maintain a schedule? Do you generally bring your task to completion and do so with excellence? Again, I would ask you as young people, would that, would that be what your parents would say? That when you're given a task to do, that you always, you do, you're known as one that will complete it and you complete it with excellence. This is what it is to be temperate, prudent, and respectable. And for us as adults, that's whether the things we do at work, the things we do at home, the things we do at church, or whatever it is that we do. Is there a steadiness to our life? Is there a consistency that is there? And it shows in our priorities. It shows in how we enjoy our pleasures. 
It's so easy for our pleasures to become excessive in our life, forgetting of the seriousness of this life. But now let me just share some ways for you to pray about this. I want to encourage you. We're talking about self-control. Well, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5.23, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So pray. Pray that the Spirit of God will fill you. Pray that the Spirit of God will control you. Pray that God will fill you with His Spirit so that self-control reigns in your heart, reigns in your life. We have to pray for these things. I'm reminded again, what does the Bible teach us in the book of James? You have not because you ask not. Let's ask for these things. Secondly, as we're told in Philippians 2.3, to regard one another as more important than ourselves. Or as we're told in Romans 12.3, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, to be sober-minded, temperate, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Knowing this is what God's word calls for, I encourage you to pray that God would help you to put others first. That you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But that you would think with sober judgment. Sober judgment about yourself. That is, don't put yourself way down, but don't elevate yourself way up. Understand who you are in Christ. Thirdly, pray. When you think about having control, Proverbs 16.32 says this, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. See, again, beloved, it is more important about who you are than what it is that you do. Even if you can go and capture a city, it is better if you're able to rule your spirit. It's better in regards to your character than it is to go out and to be able to capture a city. So you need to pray that God would help you to be slow to anger so that you will have mastery over your temper, over your emotions, and knowing how to deal with those things because you want to be someone who is known as being temperate, prudent, Respectable. Finally, if you want to be someone that is known as being respectable, then you want to be someone, as you said, that is the, has a pattern of life that would be a standard for others. That would want to make people ask questions about you. And that reminds me of what is said over in 1 Peter chapter 3. It starts with this in verse 15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Sanctify Christ as the Lord in your heart. He is who I am more concerned about. 
I am, I am setting myself apart to Christ. I want to take my every thought captive to Christ. And I want to live my life in that way. And if you do that, he goes on to say there, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. That you want to live your life in such a way that when people look at your life, they know there's something different. There is a hope that you have in the way that you live your life that they come and ask you, give us an account of this. Tell me it is how it is you're living your life. How is it you have such priorities? How is it you enjoy the pleasures of life the way you do? How is it you have these patterns and this and the standards you have in your life? What is it about you? And there it is. The door has now been opened. You can say it's because of one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have sanctified him as Lord over my heart, Lord over my life. And I live based off that. Beloved, I pray, I hope, I long that this would be the desire of your hearts. So as we think about these qualities for a leader, they are qualities for all of us. Even the next time when we get into looking at being hospitable, looking at being able to teach. And not that everyone is going to be gifted by God to teach, but there is an aspect about having an ability to teach that is something that all of us are to have. We're all to have. Because if you don't have this, you don't have the ability to teach. Even if you're, you're, you're gifted to teach, you don't have the ability to teach unless you have a certain character about you. And that character is something for all of us and not just for a pastor or a teacher or a deacon or a leader or uh, anyone of that nature in the church. But look at these things. And these are the things we want to be. You want to be morally pure. And you want to be someone who has a, in some ways, you could characterize everything I was talking about today, a life of moderation. Because your life is governed by the priorities of the Word of God, the principles of the Word of God. And that's how you have established the patterns in your life. Now, you may say, well, you know what? I don't have those patterns as I should. It's because I don't have the priorities that I should. Because the patterns of your life will show what your priorities are. It will. I mean, the, the, the priorities of my life will show in the patterns of my life. And it will show in the pleasures of my life. And how I enjoy those pleasures and the patterns that come from my life. So always understand, people know what your priorities are. They know what your priorities are. And you want those priorities to be driven by God's word and God's glory. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.